It's a good day. It's a great day. Thank you so much to the worship team and the choir. They sound beautiful. My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here, uh, you have joined us on a great day because we are in the midst of our New Year's season of prayer and fasting. At the beginning of each year, we've been taking 21 days to kick off the year with prayer and fasting and drawing near to God. And as Mandy, my wife, shared just a little bit earlier, you know, it's so important in this season that we are seeking God for what he wants to do in us and through us in 2020 and beyond. This is a special year because we're beginning a new decade together. There's just a sense, don't you feel it, that God is up to something, that we are standing on the edge of something incredible uh, personally and and in uh, our church, and I really believe in the world around us. And how many of you believing this is a year of breakthrough, that 2020 is going to be a year where God's going to do something more, something greater? And I believe as we begin this year, this decade in prayer and fasting, that we are going to see God fulfill his word. Uh, One in particular that I can think of is where the Lord promises, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So as you're spending this time really turning aside from eating during times of fasting, uh, prayer, spending time focusing and being with the Lord in prayer, that you are drawing near to him. And as you do that, every step we take, the Lord is honoring. And he will show us himself in some special ways during this season. He'll make us sensitive to his presence and to his voice. During this season, we're asking Jesus to make us more like him. That's my prayer. Lord, make me more like you. I want to be less like who I used to be. I want to be more like you. That when people see me, they don't see me. They don't see the love of Chris. They see the love of Christ. Amen? They don't see the heart of of Chris. They see the heart of Christ in and through my life. That's my prayer, that God wants every one of us. I want you to know that he wants you to take steps forward in your relationship with him this year. You know what? I think that there are some of us, we are stuck. There is like a lead anchor around our feet holding us back from the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. And I'm believing for this year, even in this season, that chains are going to break and the Lord's going to lead us forward into some amazing amazing things that he has for us. And so I want to jump into God's word today, and I want us to take a look at this on this Sunday. Um, And I want us to really look at this one question that is asked of Jesus. And I want us to ask this question of ourselves. Turn with me to Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Mark is one of the gospel accounts. It's the second book of the New Testament. And the New Testament begins with four accounts of the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And it tells of Jesus' life in really four beautiful pictures. And in Mark's gospel, we see a story that Jesus had an interaction with a man. And this actually shows up in another gospel account as well, but we're going to focus on Mark's account. And uh, many call him the rich young ruler. He was a man who had a lot and who was a good man, who had done a lot of good things. And he has this question for Jesus. Here, let's, let's look beginning in verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this is an interesting question that this man asked Jesus. He calls him good teacher. Jesus takes this word good, and you'll see how Jesus kind of puts it back on him for just a moment. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Then Jesus goes on to say, well, sir, you know the commandments. 
You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he says, teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. So this rich young ruler, this man, comes to Jesus and he says, there's more. There's something else about Jesus that's different than what he had been experiencing. He grew up as a young Jewish boy, meaning he obeyed the law. He obeyed God's ways. Everything he knew from God's word and was taught, he did it from the time he was 12 years old. When he says, from the time I was a boy, I've done all these things. So he took in the law. He took on the commands of God. And he said, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to do everything that, that you'll call me to do, God. But as he saw Jesus there's something different about him. He saw the way that he taught. He saw the way that he healed. He saw the way that he had a relationship with the Father that he longed to have. He saw how he spoke of the kingdom of heaven. He saw he spoke of all these things. And he drew near. He saw the disciples, these 12 men who had given up everything to follow Jesus. And he's curious. He wants more. So he comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? I don't just want life now. I want eternal life. I want to have an assurance that one day I'll be in the presence of the Father, that God's word will be fulfilled in my life. Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. You know what it means to be good. He said, I've done all these things. Verse 21. Jesus then looked at him and loved him. I want you to know that Jesus looked with love in his eyes, love in his heart towards this man. And then he says this, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Lord, help me to share this word, Lord God. Help, help your heart to come forth, Lord God. Help us to understand the truth of what you're saying in this moment, Lord God. And would you come, Lord God, and speak and place your finger on any area, Lord God, that stands in the way of us wholeheartedly pursuing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this man comes with this question. He wants to know, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life and Jesus tells him about the law, which he know and knew and he grew up understanding. But there was more. Someone look to your neighbor and say, there's more. There's more. Because as Jesus looked at him and he said, I've done all of that, but, but I know something's missing. Jesus looked at him. And here's what I want you to know when Jesus sees people. He doesn't see who we're pretending to be. I want you to know that. He doesn't see you in your Sunday best and think that who you're pretending to be is who you are. He sees all of us. He sees the good, the bad, the ugly. Come on, somebody. He sees it all. He sees our past, our present. He sees our future. He, he knows us more than anyone knows us. He knows us more than we know ourselves. And he looks at us with love the same way he looked at this man. And what Jesus saw was that although he lived a good life, although he was a moral, upstanding person, although he had done right and he understood right from wrong and he had done a lot, and when you would weigh him against others, you would see success and prosperity and someone who has done good and honored the law and all the things that God has said, but there was something lacking. Jesus saw that there was something standing in front of him that was going to keep him from fully following Jesus. 
And so Jesus said, here's what you must do. This is what you're lacking. It's your love for all these things that you have. And although many would call these things good, they're an anchor. They're going to keep you here. They're going to keep you from following me. Sell them all. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And what proved to happen in that moment is that man looked at what he had, and he looked at what Jesus was inviting him into, and he decided it would be better for him to stay right where he was than to move forward into the future Jesus had for him. And can I tell you, friends, that I believe that the Lord comes near to us today, and in love, he says, there's one thing we might be lacking. There's an area in our lives. If we really want to say, God, I want everything you have for me. Jesus, I want to follow you wholeheartedly. There may be areas in our lives that are standing in the way of us pursuing everything that God has for us. Then in the same way as this rich young ruler, maybe there's an anchor. Maybe there's a roadblock. Maybe there's something that we love more than him. And it's holding us back from everything he has for us. Amen? Now, you don't want to amen me on that. You don't like that. Because we want to be comfortable, don't we? And I wish I could stand here and tell you that the goal of the Christian life is to be comfortable, but it's just not. Because it's not the gospel. It's not the good news. Jesus said in this world we're going to have trouble. He says it's not going to be easy. You want to know who wants you to be comfortable? The enemy of your soul wants you to be comfortable. He wants to lull you into a false sense of security. He wants you to live this life chasing after everything this world has for you. And when you get to the end of it, You'll have gained everything but maybe forfeited your soul. That's what he really wants. That we would think, man, I went to church. I was a good person. I had it all. I want you to know good isn't good enough in God's way. Some of us, we can think, man, we come to church. We're good. I don't, I'm not like that person. Thank God I'm not like that person. I've done enough good. But Jesus in this moment says at the end of your life, it won't be how much good you've done versus how much bad you've done. It won't be how much stuff you have. The only thing that will matter at the end of your life is did you spend your life wholeheartedly pursuing Jesus and following him? Because today, here's what the real issue was. It wasn't that this man had a lot of money. It wasn't that this man didn't do enough good things. Do you want to know what the issue really was? Something was standing in the way of him fully following Jesus, and he couldn't let go of it. And I believe for some of us today, as we desire to see God do more in 2020, as we want to follow him and experience him in a way we never have before, what the Lord wants to do in love is put his finger on something in our lives and say, I want you to follow me. But in love, there's one thing that you're lacking today. This thing right here, it's standing in the way. I know you may call it good and others may call it good, but it's standing in the way of everything I have for you. Are you willing to set it aside? Are you willing to love me more than that and follow me into everything that I have for you? Is this making sense to someone today? That might be a relationship. That might be a job. That might be something. And here's what it comes down to. Often, it's a testing of our heart. Is there something in this life that maybe I love more than I love Jesus? That I love more than I want? That I want more than I want him? See, as we hunger and thirst for him, we learn what truly satisfies. There's nothing in this world that can fulfill us and satisfy us quite like Jesus can. See, Jesus sees our hearts. And I want you to know at the end of our, at the end of our life, you know, there's so much that we are trying to cling to. And one of the greatest things we want is we want a sense of security in this life. We want to feel safe. 
We want to feel like preserved. We want to feel that we have taken care of things on our own. One of the worst feelings we can feel in this world is helpless. How many of you know when you feel helpless, that's one of the most uncomfortable places you could be? You want to know that you have the ability to make a difference, to do something, that what you do can actually have an impact. But I want you to know when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to what Jesus has done for us, there's nothing we could do to be good enough to deserve what God has done. There's nothing in this world that we could have done that's good enough to earn our place in heaven. You know, there's a great confusion that has come into the people of God. And I believe that it is the idea that we can be good enough to earn God's blessing. We can be good enough to earn our way into God's favor and into his presence and even into eternal life or into heaven. I want you to know, Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. And I believe that this year, God wants you to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus like you never have before. And the question we must ask ourselves is this. What stands in the way of my wholehearted pursuit of Jesus? Because at the end of your life, I want you to know the greatest thing you could ever hear said of you is not your name being mentioned in the right kinds of crowds it is not the applause and praise of man. It is not the number of decimal points and zeros you have in your bank account. It is not the school that your children go to or the jobs that you've had or even the lives that you have impacted in some way. The greatest thing you could ever hear in your life is this. Well done, good and faithful servant, when you enter into the presence of God. That is all that really matters in the end. It's not the praise of man, but, but the praise of God, of the one who said you You've done well. You've followed me wholeheartedly. But man, we get so sidetracked, don't we? We get so caught up in so many other things. At the end of the day, it's all about following Jesus. And you're never going to get to the place God wants for you to get to without being sold out to following him. To just being all in, saying, Lord, I'm not holding anything back. Lord, there's nothing. I'm untethered, Lord God. I just want to follow you. I just want to pursue you with everything that I have. There's two ways to really measure, am I all in? Am I wholeheartedly pursuing Jesus? And the first thing is this, that I believe from the depths of my heart that Jesus has done everything necessary to secure my salvation. That my salvation is not in my good works. It is not in how good of a person I am. But it's all about what Jesus has done. How many know Jesus paid it all? But I don't know that we're living that way. You know the way that I think we're ultimately living spiritually is I think sometimes we weigh our lives, we measure our lives, and we count up how many good things we've done. And it's like we've come to the cosmic um, ultimate cashier in heaven, and we get there, and we say, you know what, as I went through this life, I did all these good things, and I have $80. And we say, no, no, I'm sorry, the, the, the cost to get in is $100. And then Jesus shows up and says, don't worry, I'll front you the other $20. Come on on in. I'll pay the difference. Jesus didn't pay the difference. Jesus paid it all. We come with nothing. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. It is nothing. It is nothing. And it isn't that I'm a good person and God, God, God deserves, you know, I, I, I'm God's gift to heaven. I'm God's gift to this world. I've done enough. I want you to know, when we come to the Lord, we have to come so humbly to him. We come to him and we realize this. That's not about how good I am. It's not about how bad I am. Those are the two things that can often stand in the way 
It gets in the way of us pursuing God with everything we have. On one end, we think we're good enough in our own. We've done enough good. And at the end, it'll outweigh the bad, and that's going to be enough, and God's going to be happy. doesn't work that way. And on the other end, I'm so bad, and God could never want anything to do with me because I've done so much more bad than good. How many are thankful today there are not cosmic scales in heaven? It is not about that. Here's what it is about. Everyone, all have sinned. All have fallen short. All of us come with a great deficit. We don't come with $80. We come in the negative. We come broken and bankrupt in our sin. And at that moment, when we realize we are utterly helpless, we look to the cross and we look to Jesus and his sacrifice, and we look and we say, Jesus paid it all. I put my faith and my trust in the sacrifice, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. He's made all the difference in my life. When we walk through our lives realizing that, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we see. Amen? The second thing is that I am willing to go wherever he leads me and give up whatever he asks me to. We're not as excited about that part. We say, yes, I believe it. I got it, Pastor. I'm not good. Jesus paid it all. But are you willing to go wherever he'll call you to go? Are you willing to give up anything he'll call you to give up? Jesus has called us to follow him. And sometimes there are things that you're carrying in your life today. Jesus says they are an impediment. They stand in the way. You can only follow me so far carrying that. Will you let it go? Will you lay it down? Will you sacrifice it? One of the greatest definitions of sacrifice I've ever heard is this, giving up what we love for what we love more. Think about that. It tests us. We say, Lord, anything I give up, Lord God, because I love you, Lord, it means that I love you more, and I'm willing to. Some of us, we cling to things. We cling to things that don't honor God. We cling to relationships that we know aren't right. We, we cling to things that are hurting us, that are separating us from God's love. We cling to good things that are blinding us from the great things that God has for us. Whatever it is, if you are willing to say, Lord, I'm all in. Jesus, I believe that you paid it all, and I'm willing to follow you wherever you'll lead me and lay down anything you'll call me to in my pursuit of you. That's what it means to be all in. That's what it means to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward at this time. I want us to turn now to Acts chapter 8. What a great day to take part in baptisms. Because in just a few minutes, we're going to see people that are declaring everything I'm talking about this morning. They believe that Jesus paid it all, that he saved them, that they, one day when they come to the end of their life, they're going to enter into God's presence. They have that hope in what Jesus has done for them. And they're willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Lay down whatever he calls them to lay down. This is a beautiful moment because baptism is a public declaration that we're followers of Jesus, that we're all in, that we're here. Can I tell you how beautiful last service was? That last service, we had someone that got saved today in our service and was baptized within minutes. They, gave, they came here, they were a new guest, they were holding a blue bag and everything, gave their heart to Jesus, and then were baptized. We have someone else that came to our service, last service, who we have been ministering to through our men's prison ministry while he was in prison, came to faith in Christ, was raised up in the faith, and now that he's out, he came here and he got baptized this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Amen? <laughs> Lives are being changed. So we get to Acts chapter 8, and there's this man 
this Ethiopian eunuch, he's a man who's religious, kind of like the rich young ruler we're talking about. He's reading the scriptures. He's trying to understand God and what God wants of him. And he's reading a passage in Isaiah that is about Jesus. And as he's there, Philip, who's an evangelist, who is one of the followers of Jesus, is not far off. And as the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to Philip, he says, go to that chariot and speak to that man. Philip follows the prompting of God, and he goes, and he begins to see this man reading, and the man just asks him and says, who is this passage of Scripture talking about? Who is this? Is it someone that used to live, or is it someone that, that's come? I don't understand. And look what it says in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Here's what he realized in that moment. He was all in. He was ready to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus, and he didn't want anything to stand in the way. This young man, the rich young ruler that we talked about a little while ago, what prevented him was what was standing right in front of him. There was a barrier. There was something. There was an obstacle. But for this man, as he saw the water, he said, I'm not letting anything stand in the way or prevent me from declaring to the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. Philip said nothing, and Philip baptized him in that moment. Some of you, I want you to know, baptism is not a finish line thing. It's not something you somehow get to when you learn enough and know enough and understand and go through all this. No, it's not about that. Here's what the Bible teaches. People put their faith in Jesus, and then they were baptized. So if you are in, if you're all in, if you've decided to follow Jesus, whether it's today or it's decades ago and you've never been baptized, I want you to know that's your starting point today. That's the step God's calling you to take. It's not a finish line. It's a starting point. Here's some reasons why you should be baptized today. Jesus himself was baptized. Mark's go, the gospel accounts show that clearly. Jesus called his followers to be baptized. It's he commanded it. I want you to know that baptism is not an optional step. It's an essential step in your relationship with God. It's not an option Jesus gave us. It's essential to your walk with God. Baptism shows the world that we are a follower of Jesus. It really shows. It's a public declaration. It's, a, it's an outward sign of an inward change. It shows what God has done in your life. It's a catalyst moment to show the transformation power of what Jesus has done. When you go underwater, it's, it's showing that in the same way that Jesus died and was buried, I'm dying to my old self. In the same way that Jesus rose from the dead, when you come out of the water, it's showing I'm alive in Christ, and I want the whole world to know. It's such a special moment. It shows that we know and we love Jesus. And today, I want you to know that as we begin a new decade and a new year, today is an amazing day for you to make the choice to be baptized. There are people that are all around today. We had over th uh, 13 people, I believe, that were baptized. But we only had five signed up when we began that service. Eight people got out of their seats in the midst of the service and said, you know what? I'm not letting anything stand in the way any longer. I'm all in. I'm following Jesus. And I believe that there are many of you here today. And we will stay as long as we need to to baptize all of you that are ready. Here's what I know. Jesus paid it all. 
And then your pastors and your staff here at Evangel, we went out and we bought shirts and pants and hair dryers and everything. So Jesus paid for your salvation, and we've paid for your baptism today. We got everything you need. You don't even have to bring a change of clothes. We have it all ready. But in your heart, are you ready? I want you to know, it isn't that, oh, I, I don't know if I'm a good enough person. No, you're not a good enough person. That's why Jesus had to save you. That's why he had to save me. Getting up in baptism does not say I'm perfect. It doesn't say that I've, I've, I've reached some finish line. It's a starting point. It's saying, I'm in, Lord. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I'm just ready to follow you, Lord. And whatever you call me to, Lord, I'm in. Whatever it is you ask of me, Lord, I'm here. I believe that you died and you rose again for me and I'm willing to follow you with my life. That's what baptism declares. And I want you, anyone that's put your faith in Jesus, today's the day to be baptized. If you've never been baptized before. Come on, there's some people that are getting ready to get baptized. If you've already signed up and you're ready to get baptized today, why don't you walk out? We're going to celebrate with you. Come on, church family, let's celebrate with those that are being released to go get ready. And if you're here today within the sound of my voice and you... You're tired of the excuses. You're ready to be baptized today. I'm going to invite you right now. You stand to your feet as well and you go. And come on, church family, let's celebrate with them as well. Don't let anything hold you back. Today's the day. We have everything you need. Just come out in the foyer. We'll connect with you. We'll help you get there. As people are responding, I want you, everyone else to bow your heads with me, bow your hearts with me. We're going to pray. And I want to pray because I believe today's the day for someone to put their faith in Jesus for the first time. Today you've heard the gospel. You've heard the good news this is what God's greatest desire for your life is, to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. And today, if you believe that Jesus paid it all, if you believe that he died and rose again for your sins, and you've never made a decision to have a personal relationship with God, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you've never made a decision to follow him, today's the day. Don't hold back any longer. If you're ready to make that decision right now, and you say, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm ready to follow Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand high above your head right now. I want to pray with you. That you praise God. Is there anyone else that you're in? Come on, church family. Let's celebrate with those that are raising their hands. Anyone watching online, raise your hand right now. Thank God. I'm, I'm excited for you. Amen. Come on, would you just bow your heads and your hearts with me right now? I want everyone that's ready to take this step to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Pray these words. Repeat after me as many as are ready. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. And today, I declare that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those that are making that decision. And listen, if you made that decision today and you're ready, leave your seat right now and get ready to get baptized. We'd love to be able to baptize you in this moment. I'd love to. If you're ready and you know that today's the day that the Lord has saved you, just like last service, we would love to baptize you. Come on, everyone. Let's stand to our feet. And today, if the Lord's speaking to you, I want you to leave your seats, head into the foyer. We'll get you ready. And in a few minutes, we're going to start baptizing people. I want everyone just to stay. Hold up till we dismiss you at the end. And we're all going to take part in this baptism.